0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles. A
1: podcast to help the church read, pray, and interpret sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm Chase Krause. And I'm Ryan Pollack. Let's dive in.
0: What is lacking? everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Catholics with Bibles. Here with my buddy Ryan. Ryan, what's good?
1: Man, so many things are good. I'll tell you what's not good, though, and that's my arm. <laughs> We've been putting, as you know, we've been putting up Christmas decorations That's at the right. church all day today, and uh, I have some wounds. I have some thorns in the flesh to we pay are, for it. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you that right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, we. It's Ryan and I were talking, and decorating is just not my strength. I can move stuff. I can move heavy things, kind of heavy things. Here moderately. for the manual
1: labor. That's right. Yeah. But uh, I
0: had to fluff some Christmas trees today. <laughs> and I did not want to suffer like St. Paul suffered. <laughs>
1: our, our staff has, you know, kind of various opinions here on what constitutes good fluffing. Oh, my God. I don't think I have any opinions. So. I have
0: zero opinion. Uh, I was just thought.
1: along along for the ride. That's right. But uh, if you go, if all have any complaints, you can direct them to Chad. At, yeah, that's uh, right. At
0: stteresa.net. <laughs> <laughs> no, no spa. I know. I always butcher his last name. Nasbum Nasbum Noobum, Noobum. Yeah, I butcher his last name. Where do you think
1: is is that Swedish or German? Dude, where I have, do you think I, where I, do you think the
0: Noobum from? Lebanese? I have no idea. It's not Lebanese.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's Middle Eastern.
0: Chad, if you're listening to this, where are you from? Yeah,
1: help us figure it out, brother. Yeah, I Mini's mean from Fort Worth, which explains a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. at least it's not Dallas. Uh, well I was, a, I was a Dallas man. Once oh, I'm time. so
0: sorry. We have a merciful God.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're a, you, you prefer, um, uh, Fort well, Worth to Dallas. Is that what you're well, saying?
0: Well, being from Houston, I have to hate everything from Dallas. Oh, Just I re- yes. I forgot about that. Inherent to my nature. Is yeah. The, the yeah, loathing, yeah. Loathing of well, Dallas. being an
1: Austinite, I'm required to hate A&M so, you know, <laughs> I mean, college station and all that. That's yeah. Right. I, I get it. I get yeah, that. It
0: makes sense. Um, well on today's episode, we are diving into 2 Corinthians. So last week, obviously, we did 1 Corinthians. We've been plugging away, doing 2 Corinthians today. And so uh, Greek word of the day is going to be uh, hilasterion. Um, and uh, it's, and, you know, honestly, Brian um, and I didn't talk about the Greek word of the day uh, before we started this <laughs> podcast. I'm glad you remembered um, to do it. But yeah, um, but hilasterion is, is is important for a word today. So, so it's a Greek word um, for, can be translated mercy seat. Um, so hilasterion is, we have to think of like the Ark of the Old Old covenants, right? Old Testament, um, the Ark. So, how the Ark was set up? Um, you had the box thing, gold all around it. I think Indiana stuff. Jones. They yeah, did a essentially, good job of yeah, depicting it. They there. did, yeah. Um, and so you had two angels pointing at each other, wings out, and the the there were seraph, seraph, cherub, 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 um. And uh, the wings out was like God's, that was God's seat. So it's called the, the Hillisterion. So um, there I will meet with you, said
1: the Lord. That's yeah. what, where he would show up to talk with Moses in the Holy of Holies yeah. in the old tabernacle.
0: So if any non Catholics say Catholics have statues and that's not biblical, you'd be like, bruh, go to the temple. They had angels everywhere. Right.
1: No, no graven <laughs> images. Well, why does God
0: tell them then right. to
1: make a couple of graven images? Let's that's think right. about
0: this real quick. Yeah, yeah, let's connect the dots here. Um, but anyway. Um, so that's going to play. I uh, come into play a little bit later on in, in Second Corinthians. Uh, the literal word hilasterion is not there, but Paul is going to reference it, and it's going to be important.
1: Yeah. Well, first, let's do the nitty-gritties.
0: Let's do it. Um, the author, Saint Paul, is Saint Paul. Arguably, Saint Paul. This is the first arguably full Saint. Paul. Is this
1: the first arguably? Well, I guess it is so, in the New
0: Testament. M- yeah. Most. So I guess we should talk about why that is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah.
1: there's a big tonal, giant tonal yeah. shift in the letter that mm-hmm. doesn't seem to make much sense if no. St. Paul were writing it all in one sitting.
0: Yeah, so here, here's the deal. So uh, chapter 9, nine ten, um, you get from like a kind of a cute, fluffy, normal St. Paul letter, even though they're not usually cute and fluffy, that's not the right words. <laughs> anyway, you get normal St. Paul um, and then you turn into like ticked off st paul football
1: coach st paul yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah so and it's pretty drastic um it's there's no there's no transition um so there are some theologians who speculate that um this was a later redaction to the letter um which is possible uh, theoretically possible um i don't i don't happen to love that explanation but it's possible Um, i
1: i think we would probably tend to think that uh Paul came back later, right? And didn't didn't write the letter on the one sitting, but came back later after hearing perhaps a disparaging report sure. about the Corinthians. Well, and- yes,
0: he, he dictated the letter, right? So all of Saint Paul's letters are, are dictated. That's why if you ever read the ending of a letter and it says, "I Saint Paul write this with my own hand," it's because he literally wasn't writing with his own hand like the rest of the letter, right? So, um, yeah. So another yeah theory is um, he was dictating the letter, got about halfway through, took a break for the day, moved on, did something else, and then something happened. He he stubbed his toe. Um, He heard some bad news or something happened. And then when he came back to the letter, it was a hard stop. On the niceness,
1: yeah, and you'll notice that if you read the letter cover to cover, you'll you'll be able to figure that out fairly easily, yeah. But this was written sometime in the mid fifties, mid fifties A.D. Seems shortly like after that the first one, shortly after the first one. But what we're calling St. Corinthians, uh, <laughs> second <laughs> Corinthians here in the scriptures is probably actually maybe even third yeah. or fourth Corinthians, because we know that Paul wrote them other letters that we just don't have access to, which is right. part of the mystery of. St. Corinthians here. Uh, why do I keep saying that? <laughs> second, two, two yeah. Corinthians here. Mm-hmm. Um, so this might actually be the third or fourth letter, but for our purposes, uh, for the scripture's purposes, it's the second one we have preserved. Yeah,
0: and, and St. Paul actually had visited Corinth. He made an emergency trip to Corinth. Yep. Um, in between first and second um, at some point, because the Paul the, the church was in such disarray, even after the first letter, that St. Paul had to be like, yo dudes, and then he like almost got beat up. By by his opposers, mm-hmm.
1: um, which is if you think important. your church is dysfunctional, just go check That's out right. First Corinthians. You'll feel a whole lot better. about That's yours right. afterward. yeah.
0: And so, um, yeah. So we we read we read in Second Corinthians how, um, basically, so that we in the backdrop, I guess, you have these um, these super the hypo apostoles or whatever, uh, super apostles that Saint Paul talks about. So uh, arguably, what happened was after Saint Paul left. Not necessarily the circumcision party, um, but potentially. Anyway, some other sect of Christianity, some other people came in real hot and was like, yo, St. Paul, dude's an idiot. (laughs) The guy's just really lame.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's almost like a, uh, they're just making fun of him almost from what, from what, how he describes it. Right.
0: And so Paul's, he loses a lot of, his peeps.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, we'll get there. Let's, let's go take him. Shall we take him through bit by bit here? Let's do it. So uh, chapter one, verses one through 11 is like the opening greeting and the encouragement. So St. Paul identifying himself to the saints in Corinth. Uh, He wants to let them know here that the body suffers together and it's encouraged together. And he's writing to reassure them of his continued affection after a contentious back and forth that they've had for, uh, you know, I guess a couple of months or yeah. years now. They've mm-hmm. had a rough go of things. Their relationship is strained. We don't know exactly why. We don't know exactly what they've been fighting about. We get hints here in the letter, but Second uh, Corinthians is a makeup letter. It's a kiss and makeup sort of thing. <laughs> the first half, at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so chapters 112 through chapter 7 is kind of like Paul and the Corinthians reconciling so yeah. he don't want to very sincerely to visit them but perhaps it's best he didn't because yeah. there's some bad stuff going on
0: yeah so there's a there's a i mean a few a lot i think some a lot of second corinthians you know at least uh one through three i think it's i mean it's some beautiful passages but i think it's more or less um there's some straightforward stuff there um but you know obviously we only want to zoom in on a couple parts because we don't have time to talk about you know every single interesting thing in every letter um but one of the i think interesting passages that a lot of people are getting confused on is 2 Corinthians five twenty one. So five twenty one. we read this. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Ryan, did Jesus ever sin? Uh, he sure didn't, brother. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, so this is a confusing letter. So um, how could God make himself sin? I guess we have to define, let's define our terms. Um, so our understanding of sin, you know, sin coming from that Latin to miss the mark, right? So, um, sin simply being to fall short of God's will in some way, shape, or form, um, whether it be grave or venial. Um, and so God being God, he can't really not hit his own mark.
1: Right. (laughs) What would this mean? Yes. Uh Yeah.
0: So you you have to kind of, it takes some thinking, some backtracking, and also some Old Testament knowledge here. Um, I don't know, it's been a long time since we talked about the different sacrifices of the Old Testament, so we might need to
1: Well, for this one, what you should zoom in on is the Day of Atonement from the book of Leviticus, Um, everybody's favorite devotional text text in the Scriptures. (laughs) You want to feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, but once a year on the Day of Atonement, you have the high priest uh, confessing the sins of the people over the goat and sending the goat out into the wilderness. And, of course, St. John the Baptist identifies Jesus as this Lamb of God who's come to take away the sins of the world. So the uh, the goat there is like a vessel that carries out... um,
0: the priest like literally a clean puts, his, crew. He puts his hand on the goat and says, here are all of the sins. He's taking <laughs> the
1: pollution that sin brings out of the community in that way. So I think if you have that backdrop, background in mind, this section of Jesus becoming sin, that is becoming the vessel that would take the pollution out of the community makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah,
0: and kind of like a literary spin on this too, just to you know bring it in. So when you read, not that you're probably ever going to read the Hebrew Old Testament, um, but if you ever do read the Hebrew Old Testament, a lot of the times... Um, you know, we when we read in the English, we say uh, we read sin offering or the sacrifice of sin or the cereal offering or the the the, the peace offering. We, it's always that offering word in there to help us know what it is. But in the Hebrew, that word offering is actually not there. Um, so when you read, if you read just the Hebrew, all you would see is the sin, right? So that, that's that's literally what it would say in Hebrew is you know um, it would say the sin or sin, right? The, the 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 article was kind of implied in a lot of places. Um, actually, no, it's Greek. Hebrew, I think the article is always there, right? Uh, uh, which which section are you talking about? Just in general, like because uh, in Greek the article is not always included because it's assumed. But in Hebrew, is it always is it assumed or is it included? I'd
1: have to go back to the databanks. On gosh, that one. man, I don't remember. Anyway, that's just a, just know while.
0: that it's, it's it's literally translated the sin. Um, and so Saint Paul is taking that same language. So he knows in Hebrew that the word offering is not there, right? So he's not even thinking about it. So he's it's it's he's become the sin right? Namely, the sin offering, right? So, Jesus is made the perfect the sin, right? The sin offering, right? That that perfectly takes away the sins of the world, right? So, for our sake, he became the sin offering who knew no sin, who was, who was, who was truly perfect, A right? spotless vessel. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so, it's kind of confused because it's the same word but meaning two different things, right? Um, so, it's sin, Right? But it's the sin offering. And then the second one is the use of sin as in imperfection, right? So he was the sin offering who knew no imperfection. Um, so that in him we might become the righteous. So we participate um, in his goodness. We, right? He, he makes a sacrifice so that we may reap the rewards of this sacrifice, right?
1: Yeah, we're still in chapter five here. Yeah. Uh, chapter five also has one of my favorite summary statements of the gospel in it. So uh, this is the section where it says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Mm. If you have thirty seconds on an elevator with somebody and they say, "Hey, what's the gospel?" you can say, "God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself." Like that's that's just delightfully short, simple, and to the point.
0: Man, I've always—it's like when I was a missionary, they always train you for the the charisma, the 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 elevator right there, and like it's never happened to me, but I've always wanted it to happen. You're ready. You can be be ready for it. Should it ever happen? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, God willing, one day. Um, cool. And so the next, next kind of cool verse, um, there are actually too much time on and then we'll dump to the next one, um, in, in chapter eight. So, um, we're going to skip six and go to seven. So we have this line here in seven. Um, since we have these promises this is seven one. So since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit and make holiness perfect in the fear of God. Um, so the reason I point this out... Hey, Chase, I'm not perfect, man. <laughs> yes, what you are. No, I'm just kidding.
1: What am I going to uh, do?
0: So, yeah, so I, I've probably talked to this before. I don't remember. I feel like I talked about this too much, but it's important. Um, so we have to remember that uh, St. Paul um, has more of a telastic sense of perfect. So what does that mean? Uh, telos, meaning that the thing has reached its completion, right? So it's reached the end to which it was made. So um, it's not talking about absolute perfection. And St. Thomas Aquinas gets into this a lot, right? Um, so a gun is perfect if it shoots a bullet. It is a perfect gun. It is. It has reached the end for which it was made. Mm-hmm. Or the bullet is perfect once it's fired. Yeah, right? right. I have a perfect water bottle right now because I can drink water from it. It is, yep. a, it is a perfect water bottle. Yep. Um, and so I think as Americans, that language is weird to us because we we tend to think absolute perfection, right? Which truly only God is absolutely perfect. So it's the impossibility of error, right? That'd be that definition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I, I point this out because a lot of the times, um, at least for my high Calvinist brothers and sisters, they don't, they don't really like
1: be perfect as your heavenly father. is. Yeah. Perfect. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. They don't, uh-huh. they don't
0: like this idea. Yeah. Um, especially uh, the idea of growing in perfection, right. Of being, being, and this is, this is going to lead us to our next verse, um, of being deified, right. Of, of being sanctified, deified of this idea that growth is not only possible, but it's essential. Right. Um, So that leads us to this goes hand in hand. It's the reason I I think there's so much beauty in 2 Corinthians here um, because you go chapter 8, verse 9, we read this. And this is one of, I think, the most important lines of this letter. Um, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Um, And this is where St. Augustine, St. Thomas Aquinas, other church fathers... Um, we'll get the whole God uh, Christ became man, so that man may become God.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I think Athanasius is the first to yeah. to coin that one. Um, this this does remind me of Saint Augustine's commentary on the parable of the rich fool, where this is the fool who just keeps building more and bigger barns, even though he has plenty of barns, and like then at the end he he has to account for his soul, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. and he's just spent his whole life acquiring wealth. Uh, St. Augustine will say in that section that this guy, if he knew anything about investments, (laughs) he would have known that the bellies of the poor were a much greater and safer investments Mm. than these barns that he kept building. Mm. So the whole becoming poor that you might become rich following the way of Christ. Uh, he, Augustine makes that really concrete there. Like, are you looking for a good investment opportunity, Corinthians? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The bellies
0: of the poor is an excellent place to start. Yeah. So, so this is, um, I think we definitely talk about deification on the show, um, but it's been a while, so let, I mean, I'm just gonna recap it real quick. Even though it's there's literally books written on this, um, but this is how we're saved, right? Um, we have to make a few, I guess, base statements here, and this is and this is kind of one of the passages in scripture that we get this from. It's not just something that the church just made up randomly, um, but we have to have a few different like key facts, right? One, what is heaven? Heaven is participation in the divine nature, right? It's not like Kobob. Um, <laughs> one,
1: one is in heaven when and to the extent that one is in Jesus Christ. Thank you, uh, Papa Ratzinger. That's
0: right, exactly. Um, so it's participation in the, div- in the divine mystery of, of the Trinity um, through the sun, right? Um, and so you have to answer a few questions. Okay, if that's what heaven is, then it's participation in the divine nature. Do I have the divine nature? Well, no, you have a human nature, right? Um, and so before Christ, it was impossible for us to be in heaven, right? Why? Because we don't have a divine nature. And so what happens? Well, God, Jesus being the same person is incarnate, right? So he is fully God, fully man, but still only one person, namely the person of the Word, right? So it's through his humanity when we are baptized that we are saved, right? Because when he's when he goes back to heaven, by nature then his humanity totally belongs in heaven because he's still the same person, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, God would bridge the gap between God and man by becoming Himself the bridge, right? Which is an idea that only
0: really He could, could have come up with, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, and so, what does that mean for us? Well, at baptism, we put on Christ; we we clothe ourselves in Christ, um, and we we become Christified, right? We become um, Christified through through uh, cruciformity, right? Through being uh, conformed to the image of the cross, through and becoming conformed to Christ. And so, this this process is called deification. It's it's literally being made like unto God, right? Um, and so this is, yeah, he be, he was rich, fullness of divine nature. He became poor. He took on his human nature so that through our poverty, we only have new human nature, we become rich.
1: And right? a, and a be really beautiful part of Catholic theology is that we believe that you can grow in holiness. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like you're not just stuck being this miserable dumb sinner for your entire life. You know, like you can, uh, through participation with God's grace and through participation in the sacraments and obedience, you can make progress in the Christian life.
0: Right? Like there are actually some sins in your life that you'll be able to conquer. Yeah. And I think, uh, at least for me and and probably for other people too, you know, it's hard because sometimes you wish you were holier because you see like other really holy people, you know, and you're like, gosh, I just wish I was holier. And then just knowing the fact that like, I'm may never be as holy as them, but I'm gonna be as, hopefully I'll be as holy as God wills for me to be. Cause even in heaven, there's different le- degrees of holiness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna talk about heaven here in a little bit. Um, but like, I'll never be as holy as the blessed virgin. Well, the, but the, I'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, you can look at it as a glass half full thing or a glass half empty thing. But it, if the target is God, if the target is the, the horizon, um, you can make a lot of progress and still be quite far away from the horizon, right? Sure, something, yeah, yeah. something that's like theoretically infinite and out there in the void somewhere. Um, but you, you keep walking, you keep walking with the Lord and you keep stepping uh, along that path and you, right. you do eventually get somewhere.
0: Have you ever prayed the litany of humility? No. Oh, I'll send it to you. So Who's that, it, whose is it? Mm, no idea. Um, some holy person, hmm. um, but it's a beautiful litany. Litany of humility just punches you in the face over and over again um, in all the right ways. Um, and, uh, but there's a line, it, it's, a, you know, Um, that I may become as holy as I should, or no, that I may desire that others become holier than I provided that I become as holy as I should. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Oh, Jesus gave me, grant me the grace to desire it. That's like the response there. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just like, yes. Oh, that's hard. Wow. Okay. Ah. (laughs) Yeah, a, a good analogy here
1: might be a conversation that we had at our men's group this Wednesday morning where we're talking about Trinitarian theology at the men's group. And one guy at the end of it was just like, man, this is difficult. Like he just sort of said aloud what everybody else was thinking like this is have we made any progress in understanding the Trinity at all? And uh, I told him, yeah, it's just that the subject is infinitely vast. Right. So we've had 2,000 years to reflect on an infinitely vast subject. So right. we have 2,000
0: years worth of progress.
1: Yeah. Um, I think that's just a better way to, to yeah. imagine it.
0: I, I, my frustration is when people give up on studying it because it's difficult. Yeah, right. It's, like, it's right. like, no, man. You, it's like, even for me, I have to take breaks from it. Mm-hmm. I have to take breaks from dogmatics quite often. Because yeah. because once you get past the surface, it, it gets real deep real quick. Uh, yeah. Once you lay yeah. your foundation, and becomes... You say one wrong prepositional phrase and you're a heretic. Um, yeah. But at the same time, the more you love someone, the more you want to get to know them. And the more you know them, the more you love them, right? So it's like we should always have some kind of hunger um, to study some aspect of theology. Like, uh, you know, And now, not everybody's called to be a theologian, right? So, But we should always, always be trying to pursue more knowledge of, of Christ. Maybe, maybe dogmatics is not your area that you're going to pursue, but... Anyway, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway, we should move on. <laughs> right on, right on.
1: Let's see what else we... See. So a- after the chapters one through seven, the kind of reconciling with Paul and the Corinthians, we get to the collection for Jerusalem. So Paul's trying yeah. to raise money for the struggling Jerusalem Which you church. see in a lot
0: of letters of St. Paul. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's the my man's doing some fundraising. That's he's right. He's got a pretty good stewardship campaign yeah, here. That's right. So Macedonia and Achaia, he says, have given generously out of their poverty to support the church in jerusalem a great example for all of us and he's encouraged that titus tells him that the corinthians will do the same um if you're generous with them he says in essence god will make sure you get all that you need
0: so we don't want to go into prosperity gospel here right Uh, this is what paul is not saying is that give money and you'll get money that's that's not what paul is saying
1: yeah (laughs) you you have to sow a big uh seed here to get a rich harvest that's right um
0: so sorry, Joel Olstein, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> you're basically a heretic. Come home, Joel. Come yeah, home. that's right. Um, so, but what Paul is saying is 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 give until it hurts, and don't worry, God God will provide for your needs for your needs, not your wealth. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah so. right.
1: And Paul was saying in another place, do we have food and shelter? Like with these, we'll be content. Yeah, um, exactly. So his standard of living. Uh, I think our our standard of living needs to do a little bit of work to get down to St. Paul's level yeah. probably most of the time.
0: And so the rest of the letter then we're going to deal with these uh, a lot to deal with Paul is going to defend himself from these super apostles. Yeah. So we have to remember that these super apostles came in hot and tried to steal Paul's church away essentially. (laughs) Right. Right. So uh,
1: he says in chapter 10, I know my letters are strong and forceful, guys. I know I talk a big talk, but when you meet me in person, I'm kind of like weak and not eloquent and not impressive like these other super fossils. But I don't really wish to be thought of that way. Uh, I don't charge for my ministry for one thing, unlike these prosperity preachers here, but I could, um, but I don't. I boast in my weakness instead because through my, like, if you've met me, you know, I'm a pretty unimpressive in the, in the leadership department, but look how God has used me to do all of these incredible things. That's my boast is in how I can be used as Christ's yeah. vessel.
0: And then his, his kind of like follow-up, like backup, like, you know, you know how I, uh, how I know I'm a true apostle is I've gotten the crap kicked out of me so many times, yeah. yet I'm still here to proclaim the gospel. So. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Chapter eleven, right? Uh, um, chapter uh, chapter eleven. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, what does he say? Oh, I'm trying to find it because it's really. It's How many times I've been beaten up and yeah, yeah, yeah. shipped. Oh, here it is. Here and- it is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, eleven twenty three. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I've been I've received at the hands of the Jews. The 40 lashes less one, five times. He's gotten 39 lashes. So he's, he's scarred up, right? Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and this is when they thought he, he was actually dead, right? And mm-hmm. so this is arguably then where he sees heaven, but we're gonna get there in a second. Um, three times I have been shipwrecked. "...a night and a day I have been adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren." Um, so this is Paul's yeah. CV. This is yeah, his, his right. resume. Like, that's how right. do you know I'm a real apostle? Well, I'm not cruising around with a
1: thousand dollar sneakers on, no. and, and telling you how to how to get a new jet for your ministry. Uh, that's right. I my I've been beaten up all the time for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, I think we did want to camp out and talk a little bit about the difference between this and masochism and uh, suffering and yeah, all that. Yeah, did we yeah. want to? Do yeah. we want to go down that road? We should. So you could you could see somebody reading Saint Corinthians. Uh, <laughs> Always good. She's the Louise. You could see somebody reading uh, Second Corinthians here and going, "Well, Paul is just really getting off on how m- much he has to suffer." This seems a little bit psychologically unhealthy here. It seems like he's just way too into his suffering. And uh, I think the way we might answer that is just to say, "Well, if the suffering is an end in itself, then then perhaps there's some there's some merit to that claim there." But it seems like Paul is saying that this is the reason one one of the reasons not the only reason but a reason that we can look at and say okay he really is suffering for the lord here look at all the fruit that is is being born throughout his ministry and, and
0: Paul didn't seek out these things it just happened because of truth like because he was proclaiming the if truth. you go looking for martyrdom it's not martyrdom right exactly <laughs> and so and it's hard because we we have we were talking about before the show you know uh, we have a witness of, the, of a bunch of saints who um, they did seek out suffering, right? And but but we have to understand. So like Saint uh, Therese of Lisieux, right? If you read her uh, story of a soul, she does talk a lot about where she, you know, um, she loves suffering. She wants to suffer for the sake of Christ. But if you read closely, all of the things she suffers, she didn't seek out, but rather they were opportunities that presented herself that that were presented to her, and she accepted the sufferings that were presented, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's the big difference there, right? And so, um, you know, the only the only exception to this would be like. Um, it, like during the season of Lent, during penitential seasons, like we should try to suffer in some, some way. Some kind of bodily mortification. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's important. But, but honestly, that's there because the church and we, if we're honest with ourselves, know we don't really suffer Right, like we're not good at it. Like we don't seek it out. We don't accept the opportunities. We avoid them at all costs. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, St. Paul didn't practice Lent because he didn't need to. Right? Like he 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 quite literally did everything he can. Um, to he suffered you know plenty. Um, and so once again, um, there's a difference there between seeking it out for the ends of themselves and then it, but, or merely accepting them when they came.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And, and we should expect a certain amount of suffering as followers of Jesus, even ones who live pretty comfortable, cushy, 21st century American lives. Right. Like if we're always just looking to avoid inconvenience, we're not going to be good followers of Jesus. Right? Uh, we have to be willing to, um, I mean, it's like the poor, a great example. Like you have to be willing to be inconvenienced by the poor. Um, right. It's just a very small way we can share in the yeah. sufferings of Christ. Well, thing. I
0: think it's important too, and, but no, there's times to suffer and there's times to rejoice, right? So like, um you know for christmas time we're about to be in it's almost the end of advent here um big old party coming up right um like i remember uh, hearing a story uh, a franciscan brother goes up to saint francis because uh they're very strict on fasting on fridays all year no meat they just didn't eat on fridays i don't think and nice it, and um and they asked uh, saint francis like hey christmas is coming up do we do we keep the fast right and saint francis i'm gonna paraphrase he basically says um, that would be disordered, right? It is a season of uh, of rejoicing, yeah, right? So yeah. um, let's see. I'll, I'll give you bread on Fridays during, <laughs> during yeah,
1: you know, you know. And you don't, for the same reason, you don't fast on Sundays because right. Sundays is the Lord's Day. It's a feast day, exactly all the time. Um, so cool. chapter chapter twelve. His basic point here is. Not to brag, everybody, but in comparison with these super apostles, I have experienced some pretty incredible revelations from the Lord. And yet, uh, to keep me from being kind of a boastful, hearty jerk about it, uh, God's handicapped me in some way Mm -hmm. to prevent me from getting too proud about all these cool revelations that I'm getting.
0: Yeah. So arguably, Paul talks about a man who could be himself.
1: A messenger
0: from, from Satan. Well, before that, when he sees the third heaven. Oh,
1: yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say it's me, but there is a guy that I
0: know who's been right. caught up
1: to the third heaven, this kind of mystical revelation.
0: Yeah, so there's a few different, like, theories. One, if this was actually St. Paul or not, um, I think more or less, I think we could agree it's St. Paul. Yeah. There's arguments against it, but eh. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, in my brain, there's a few different places this could happen. This could have happened. Could have happened, he could have been talking about when he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus, sure. right? Yeah. Um, I think that's a potential place. This is total speculation, by the way, so if you're listening to this, like, don't take any <laughs> of this like, too seriously. Yeah. Um, I have no idea when it actually happened. But anyway, that's one possibility. Another one is when he got stoned because he, he appeared as though dead. A near-death right? experience. Um, and so uh, maybe he was caught up into the third heaven um, and then was resurrected mm-hmm. um, like Lazarus. Um, uh, and then another potential option in my brain is we have to remember that Saint Paul like went off to the wilderness by himself for years, a couple of years before he went to Peter. Was it three years? I
1: had forgotten about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's um, right. And so he could have had it there. Like he could have been. He was in isolation for a few years. He was in deep prayer, deep contemplation. Um, so it could have happened there too. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't chronological to those three, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't really matter. But that's what I like to think. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. He's he's totally open to these ecstatic experiences happening, um, and at the same time, they're not something to boast about. And that's why uh, the Lord in some way gave him this thorn in the flesh, and mounds upon mounds of literature have been written trying to figure out what the thorn was. Was it a kind of sickness? Was it a physical handicap? Was it a mental illness? Like, what could it have been? Was it an actual demon tormenting him? And we're just not sure. But the point is, God put that stumbling block there, or uh, ankle weights on Paul,
0: as it were, to keep him from getting too full of himself. Yeah, as we get that famous line, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with my weakness, and salts hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, one time I heard somebody really, he's like, oh, Paul suffered from uh, uh, lustful temptations all the time. And I'm like, I don't think that's a good argument. It could, it could have been. But I was like, I think you don't. We don't I, know. I, I think yeah. you're reading into the text a little bit there, buddy. Um, <laughs> but um, it was some kind of difficulty, right? I really doubt Paul struggled with sexual temptation because
1: it's Paul. He doesn't seem to, um, anyway. No,
0: yeah, and his, his word, especially if you read first First Corinthians, like I talked last week, he's, he's pretty strong on, on celibacy. He's a strong and, celibate fellow. Yeah, yep. so uh, I don't think that's great. But anyway, it doesn't really matter what it is. It was something, right? Um, and that's that's beautiful for spiritual theology as well, as knowing that um, as you grow in holiness, God will like allow these different temptations to remind you of how you're still imperfect. You're still human, right? You still need to be humble.
1: I've got three overall points here from Jerome Murphy O'Connor. Oh,
0: Jerome trying to sum
1: up the three unique contributions of second Corinthians to the new Testament. This is what he thinks. Point number one, ministry is based on the pattern of Jesus and Paul's identification with Jesus. Number two, weakness and suffering are characteristic marks of Jesus's ministers, hmm. and three, the true evidence that one has the Holy Spirit is not these incredible emotional ecstatic experiences yeah. that you have, but an existence that is shaped by
0: looking like the cross. Yeah. So, and that and that's actually interesting too because it brings about um, when Paul says, "I I carry the the marks of Christ." I mean, he was literally scarred up, yeah. right? I mean, he he had. Five times thirty nine, whatever that is, amount of lashes. Had
1: a big handful of baker's dozen, yeah. dozen times. Yeah, some people say. Three. Some people
0: use that line, and they say, "Oh, he had the stigmata." I'm like, ah, maybe, maybe not. That's probably reading into the text a little bit. But he had at least he had scars. He was scarred up. So Paul arguably looked very different by the end of his life.
1: Right? Do we have further reading recommendations for you? Said you said yeah. you had a couple. Right? I, I or have, you had have one w- big I, one. I have yeah. one big
0: one. So. Yep. Um, there's a great series called The Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture. Um, it, I think all they have is New Testament right now. I think they're working on the Old Testament. Uh, anyway, every book is a different author. And um, But anyway, forgive me, but I've totally blanked on the author's name. But uh, if you look up uh, a, sacred, a Catholic Commentary on Sacred Scripture, 2 Corinthians, uh, it's a fantastic commentary um, on 2 Corinthians. Um, I it, think it's really, really well it's done. It's
1: not Jan, uh, Jan Lombric in the Sacra Pagina? no. No, it's so. another classic yeah, that's commentary good, series yeah, for Catholics yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Check that one out. That's yeah. my recommendation. Check sure, that yeah, one out. One, yeah. And, uh, anything else we need to, well, I guess we're, we're just about out of time here. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah, we got to, um, down. well, chapter 13, thir- the end of 13 basic point is, Hey y'all, uh, I'm writing a harsh letter here. Don't make me be harsh in person. That's right. Act stop like, stop <laughs> sucking. Act like Christians and I'll, and I'll see you soon. Love ya. Love yeah. ya. Deuces.
0: Uh-huh. Um, Yep, yeah, so that, no, that's a good place to stop. If you have any more questions on 2 Corinthians, let us know. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us this week on Catholics with Bibles. <laughs> Bye-bye. My name is Chase Cross. I'm Ryan Pollitt. We'll see you next time. God bless.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am contractually obligated to tell you that we would really appreciate a review on whatever place you listen to your podcasts. Is it Spotify? Is it iTunes? Uh, do you download them uh, from, uh, from Kazaa and put them on your Microsoft Zoom? Whatever it is, uh, just let us know and, and, and leave us a review because it helps other people find us on the search engines out there on the Wild West of the World Wide Web. Thanks for checking in with us on Catholics with Bibles. We'll see you next time.